Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Start Somewhere for Marie Claire with me, Sarah Vaughan, and my very, very special guest this week, Nazim Lahari, who is the Managing Director of Lucara Botswana. Welcome, welcome, Nazim. How are you? Thank you, Sarah. I'm really, really great. Uh, well, and, and, and sort of in um, COVID restrictions as well. So we're in lockdown, not lockdown, but curfew at the moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently under curfew at this time. And at my age, under curfew, that's, that's a very interesting thing. But I guess that's what we're all living in, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, so curfew, you know, for certainly our generation, it's something that your parents would meet up. I know, eh? Right? <laughs> yeah, well, this is COVID, but what can we say? Brings in new challenges and, 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 and advantages as well, yeah. Yeah, for, for, for sure, for sure. Um, but, I mean, as you know, we always start this podcast, um, you know, with how you get or how you got started in life. So, Nizim, you had a, a fascinating upbringing. So, I'd love to hear about your, kind of your life growing up in Botswana. Okay, great. So, so I'm from a, a village called Mushupa, which is about an hour away from the city called Habroni. So, I grew up there. Um, I did my sort of, uh, what do you call it, nursery schooling in Mushupa. It was the first nursery school to be opened up in the village, and I attended. Um, eventually, I transitioned to a to the primary school there, which was a public primary school. And, and remember, uh, the village that uh, I'm from is really, really small. Well, at that time, it was really, really small, and the schools were pretty small as well. So we were like 10 uh, in a class, and uh, that was like too much for the teacher to handle. But 10 in a class is like... <laughs> It's like pretty small, if you can imagine. So, yeah, so I grew up in that sort of environment. And then eventually um, my parents decided, you know, the schooling in the village, it wasn't good enough for, 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 for me. And uh, we moved to Habroni. And then I started my schooling in Habroni. I did my primary um, uh, schooling in Habroni, my secondary and tertiary. And uh, for those who, who don't know, we actually follow the British um, uh, schooling curriculum. So I did my my O-levels. And when I did my O-levels here, I decided that um, I would go to university here in Botswana. And, you know, as every um, uh, girl of Indian origin, her, her parents wanted to become a doctor. <laughs> and my dad was insistent, 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 insistent that I become a, a doctor. And at that time, good idea. Um, wasn't too keen on it. But anyways, my father wanted me to do it. And I obviously wanted to please him. So I decided I was going to do my pre-entry science. So that's when I started my, I would call it started my life. But where I really started my life is when I took a bold, bold decision sort of <laughs> three months into my pre-entry science and realized this is not for me. <laughs> wow. And then you had to tell your father. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the biggest, uh, biggest problem I had. Right? How do I tell him that I don't want to go into medicine? And I sort of had a discussion with him telling him, and it was a very brave, brave move then, you know, it was. You know, it was something that, honestly, had I not done, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So but for those that are listening, these are some of the life lessons that you need to learn is to make those bold decisions. If you're not happy in a situation, you need to move out quickly. And that's what I did. And um, I decided that I wanted to become a chartered accountant. And then I transitioned to my BCom. Graduated from my BCom and started working at an audit firm called Deloitte & Touche. And yeah, very famous one, very famous. Yes. <laughs> I think I even did some work experience for them years ago. Yes, no, I, I, it's amazing. A lot of people that I speak to actually did do their work experience at Deloitte. So I, I feel very proud to be a, a Deloitte alumni. Um, but in any case, 
went to Deloitte and realized that I needed to do my CA because the BCom degree would obviously not get me anywhere. Um, so worked and studied for my CA. And as I studied for my CA, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that's a very, uh, I like challenges. I don't like being in one space uh, all the time. And I need to be challenged. The li- life needs to be dynamic for me, right? So obviously auditing is, the first year is great because you're meeting clients and you're learning new things. Second year, not too hot because you, you're basically doing the same thing you did last year, right? <laughs> At the same client. And if, you, and if you're good enough, you get the, the brilliant clients, but it's doing the exact same thing. And that's not me, right? I, I need a challenge in my life. So I figured, okay, what do I do here? And um, I decided to move and I got to insurance. Same problem, right? So uh, you, you can tell already from the conversation that I'm somebody that just doesn't like uh, being in, in the same space for very often, especially if it's mundane, right? So I get into insurance and guess what? Second year, I realized, mm, this is not for me. <laughs> because it's the same old thing, right? You're accumulating some pretty amazing skills here, right? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I then, it, it, this is where, the, the sorry, this is where I, I got introduced to the mining industry, okay? So, I applied for a job in, in Murupule, and I think it was more family um orientated and just to while I'm doing all this here by the way when I get to I actually forgot to mention this when I started um, my degree I actually got married so I was 18 when I got married (laughs) so so married degree working very exciting actually it was was quite nice and and I don't regret doing it I don't regret taking that route but uh, maybe Maybe, uh, let me put it this way, it's not for everyone. So <laughs> it's for the select few. In any case, I, 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 I'm I not happy with insurance, uh, obviously, because it's mundane again, because I'm second year into my insurance um, uh, job and I get an opportunity in the mining industry. And, and the reason that I actually got this opportunity was because my husband needed to move. Um, mm-hmm. So I moved with him and I got this job in a small little, now it's a town, but it, at the time it was a village called Palapi. And, um, you know, I, I lived in the city for so long, I had forgotten I grew up in a village, right? So going to this place was like, oh, my God. But I swear, if you come to Gabs, you probably think it's a village compared to where you're coming from. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> two years into my job in Palapi, um, I was given the opportunity to move to the group. Now, Debswana is the, the, the biggest mining company, diamond mining company here in Botswana. They own, actually, the, the, the richest mine in the world, actually, Juaneng. So I got the opportunity to actually move across from Palapi to Juaneng, I mean, to, to, to the corporate office in Gabs uh, at Debswana, and I got moved into the sales department. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, work in, in, I worked in the sales department for two years, but just to, just to let you know what happened when I worked in the sales department, and this actually, when I, the first day I got to this job, I realized that, you know, the diamond industry has such a huge impact yeah. on the lives of Botswana. Yes. I mean, you know, whatever we have here in Botswana is predominantly because of, of, of diamond mining. Let's just not talk about just mining, but mm-hmm. diamond mining. And and what I liked about the job was that, you know, whatever I did in that seat impacted on an individual in Botswana. So I had an, a direct influence because of the diamond sales that I was actually carrying out in that office. So that job of mine was such an important job. And when I when I realized that, it didn't take me very long, obviously, um, to realize that the impact of this job was really great. 
I then had the aspiration of becoming the first female Motswana to run a diamond mining company. At that time, it was Debswana, right? So I worked in Debswana for, for 12 years. And, you know, it, you know, great experience. But obviously, you know, for 12 years in one organization, I moved around a lot, as you, as you know, I'm sure from what I told you earlier on, you probably realized that I, I would be moving around in that organization as well. <laughs> but wherever I moved, it was extremely challenging. But I, I hit a... I hit a ceiling at, at a certain point, and that was 12 years on, right? And realized, you know what? Um, I can't be doing this all the time. I mean, I was, you know, people would say in any in any question they'd, they'd ask, uh, you know, um, whatever they'd want, ask Nassim, you know? So I was now part of the furniture, you know? I was that long in the organization. <laughs> and when, when, when that was happening, I realized, oops, maybe now I need to jump ship, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously being 12 years in an organization, it was very, very difficult to do that. So remember, I told you that the first leap of faith of mine was when, when I told my dad I can't do ma- uh, medicine. Yes. This was the second leap of faith that I I made, and it was the best move ever. So this is the time, twelve years later, into my diamond job in Botswana. Obviously, climbing the ranks, I decided I'm going to move to Lukara, Botswana, a small mining company, not known, uh, just started up like six months ago, and here Nassim goes from a company that is that is well set up, that is obviously more sustainable and probably has a longer life of mine than, than the, this organization that I'm moving to. But again, I was looking for a challenge. So I jump ship and go to Lukara and wow, I don't think I've ever looked back again, right? Specifically because uh, five years into the job, I get promoted to, 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 to managing director. Wow. And I'm the first female Muswana to actually run a diamond mine in Botswana. And, so and, my dream came true. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, like, let's just dwell on this for a moment. This is an extraordinary achievement, Nassim. I mean, you know, it, it really is. A, and, I, and I just wanted to just, you know, touch on what you, you were saying earlier. I mean, like, diamonds have received a lot of criticism over the years. And, and you know, but diamonds have also, you know, transformed in Botswana. They have transformed the country of Botswana. And I, and I mean, you know, I, I kind of remember, you know, that Botswana was one of the poorer countries in, in the African continent, but actually has one of the highest standards of living now for every single citizen in, in that country. So do you, would you care to just expand on kind of what diamonds have actually done? For the people, so rightfully stated, it was the poorest country in in, in Africa, and in in 1966 or actually 67, when diamonds were 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 discovered, actually at that point in time, it then I mean obviously diamond mining started and then became currently it's a, a middle income country, right? And you know before diamonds were 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 discovered, Botswana was poor. We had no roads. We had nothing. We now have, because of the diamond industry, we've got schools, we've got roads, we've got hospitals. I mean, I can talk personally about myself. I am the, a product of, of, of the diamond industry. I was able to go to school uh, because of the diamond industry. I went to university because of the diamond industry. And I was employed in the diamond industry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, so, and, and before, I mean, you see, I, mean, I have to say, I mean, girls weren't regularly educated either, were they? So, again, difference between... Botswana and any other country. Here, we, we, we don't discriminate in terms of gender, color, nothing. We all had equal opportunities. The education, I, I, attend, I mean, education here is free. If, or unless you go to a private school, 
Otherwise, it's free. You go to the university here, it's free. So you have the opportunity to go to university and there's no discrimination there. I guess, you know, when you walk, you walk into the to the working environment, then, you know, you start fighting for, <laughs> for what's yours, right? But generally, the opportunity is there and it's equal opportunity, right? It's, it's not specifically for a male or a female, right? So it's what you as an individual, specifically here in Botswana, I mean, I, look, my generation, no discrimination whatsoever. You, you could do whatever you wanted to. I think where, where it comes through is probably, it's a cultural issue, right? Where, you know, uh, your parents would say, no, this job doesn't suit you, that suits you. Or it's a school, it's a school issue, right? Where, you know, they put you in these boxes. But we, we had the, the privilege of not being put into those boxes and being given the equal opportunity in our country. So for us, honestly speaking, equal opportunity. I think it's when you start working and mining, you know, very male, male populated, I won't say dominated, I'll call it male populated, male populated, um, highly male populated. But I think, you know, we're now working with very progressive men. Mm-hmm. And, and when I got to, 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 to Lukara, I worked with progressive men. I can't say too much about Depswana because maybe that's also one of the reasons that I moved out because I had a career plan which identified that I wanted to become a, a, the first female Motswana managing director. But for some odd reason, it just I didn't fit that profile, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that I also jumped ship to get a challenge elsewhere and also to, 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 to chase my dream, right? Because my, my, my famous motto is, you know, uh, if I can dream it, I can achieve it, right? So that's exactly why. <laughs> that is exactly the reason I jumped ship. And, you know, the, 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 the greatest thing about the country here in the diamond industry is that, you know, as, as, as a managing director, I impact whatever decision I make, is impacted, it impacts the livelihoods of, of the citizens of the country. So it's such, a, such a, it's such an honor to have the job, but it's a big responsibility as well. Because the decisions that I make in my office right now impact an individual in Botswana and a, a community and the country as a whole, right? So yeah, and, big and, impact. And, and the creatures in, in Botswana. Oh, of course, yes. You know, <laughs> yeah, not forgetting the, yeah, not forgetting them, right? I, I, I know that, you know, the way that you, you, you run the mines is very much with, with kind of the whole ecosystem kind of in Oh, of course. It's not just about the people. It's about the environment. It's about the animals around us. We, we, we care about everything. It's that whole ecosystem. Because without the ecosystem, we wouldn't have Botswana then. When, when all these restrictions are done with, uh, you're welcome to visit us. No, I, 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 would, I mean, it's just a, <laughs> such a stunning and beautiful place. It, 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 it really is so incredibly special. Now, Nazim, I mean, like, I mean, this takes enormous vision, a lot of courage, <laughs> you know, oh. an extraordinary drive and hard work to achieve what, 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 you, you, what you're doing now. So tell us a little bit about, about kind of, you know, your job, how many people you employ, you know, where, where if you like, kind of like the feminine qualities of leadership really come into play, you know, like vision and, and, and intuition. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to, before I get to the EQ, but uh, I'll talk to you about just the, the, the job itself. Like I said, you know, every, every decision I make impacts uh, the country as a whole, right? So it's not about just my employees and I have a thousand, 200 of them. And actually in our operation right now, when, when, when I got employed, um, we didn't have too many women in, in, in the management team. And then when I got promoted, somehow organically enough. So we started off as 
I was the only female in the boardroom when I started working for the Power Botswana, right? Five years down the line, I, Ira Thomas gets promoted and um, she promotes me. Obviously, she's the reason that I am where I am as well. Um, and she saw she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, right? So another thing that we always do is doubt ourselves, which we shouldn't, but we do. But anyways, it took it took another lady to see the value in me, right? To push me up onto the pedestal, right? Which is great because I somebody saw that in me, and and hopefully whoever's listening on this call here, somebody will see that in you, especially if you emanate the, the qualities of, of of good leadership, right? So when 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 she, when she came on board. We are now 70% women in our board right now. Yes, yeah, so it's pretty amazing. And in, in my management team, there's 66, in, in the EXCO team, was 66% uh, female. And uh, the, the, the remainder, is, is it's actually just one man, so. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably feeling a bit lonely. He's the rose amongst the thorns. <laughs> and you know what? What has happened with me in this position? And I, and, you know, I, I need a great team of 1,200 people. But what has, what has happened, and not just in my organization, but in, in other organizations as well, the promotion that I've been given the opportunity to, to, to get into and to lead the organization with is the same thing that is giving other females in the same industry and other industries hope that this can actually happen because yes. I'm a living example of it, right? So, you know, previously, you know, a lot of, a lot of women would come into the mining industry and, and then give up because it was, it's very, it was very, very difficult to progress in the mining industry. It's now a lot more progressive than it was before. And it was difficult. I mean, as I went along, and, and I'm sure you know that from your experience as well, that it, it was very difficult. Not that it couldn't happen, but it was extremely, extremely difficult. And now, because of what has happened, you can see a lot more women applying for the jobs that they would have never originally applied for or initially applied for because they would tell themselves, you know what, I'm not going to get this job because it's not for me, it's for a man. Now, you know, equal opportunity, they come on board and we now have, I mean, previously, you know, we, we, we transitioned from about a 30%. We're actually now sitting at 30% women in our organization and at senior positions, whereas before it was never the case. Yeah. So we, women are actually seeing that they can do this because I'm an example. My management team is an example. And you're seeing more and more women applying. And, you know, one question I had um, was, you know, do you only employ women? And I'm like, no, if, if you apply for a job at our company, you get equal opportunity. If you have the competencies, you will get the job. And we don't really worry about gender. We, don't, we worry about the right fit for the job. We don't see whether you're male, female, or whatever your sexual orientation is. We have no issue with that. All we want is the right person for that job. And now what has happened, and it's, it's, you can see it, right? It's a, lot of, a lot of the females, and not just in our operation, but in other operations, they're coming up and actually applying for the jobs that they never applied for. And they're going out to the remote mines there because they know they can get a job there now, because they know it doesn't matter whether they're male or female, they're going to get the job if they're competent enough to do the job and they qualify to do the job. So a lot of people have actually come out of the woodworks. You see that now in the financial industry as well. Lots of women leading right now because there's good examples being set. And I think that's so important in, in, in terms of my job. It's an example that was set and has brought a lot of people to the for forefront. And when I say a lot of people, a lot of females to the forefront, which is great. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, it's just so amazing. And it's just music to my ears. And, and, and 
it's just so hopeful. And I also think, you know, what, what is so special is museum is like when you talked about your own female mentor, you know, yes. I'm a great believer in like when that happens, you know, we all rise, like everyone rises. Everybody like, rises. Like, like, it, like everyone benefits, you know, not just women or not just, you know, <laughs> like everyone benefits. No, of course. And, and, you know, I think the good part about a female leader as well is they have an extreme, they've got a good EQ. Their emotional intelligence is, is, is really great, right? So from a leadership perspective, you need that, right? You know, yes, you're tactical and whatever it is, but you have EQ. And that makes a big, big difference. And like you say, you know, intuition as well is great. You, you need that to run a business. And I think that's why when females lead, and I'm sure you know the stats, you know, bottom lines increase by about 20 to 30% immediately, right? So within a year, the bottom line is increasing. Why wouldn't you? And like, if you've got towards the 50, 50, like the profits, you know, do exactly, you know, could kind of go up by 50% too. And it's just like, I mean, like, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. And and you see that, right? You see that everywhere. I mean, statistically speaking, it's, if I were use use the statistics within, within, within two years, you see a bottom line increase where, where there's female, female leadership or, or, or the, di- or the dynamics have changed. It's not just it's it's not just males in, in in the management team, right? And obviously, if you're leading, like I mean, one of the stats I recall, uh, I need to be corrected on this one here. But if you have um, a higher level of women in the C-suite, you get a 34% greater return to the shareholders within within two years as well. So the evidence is there, right? So honestly speaking, I think. You know, it's uh, the workplaces for women are made for mining and they're made for the workplace as well. You know, that's that's the way I see it. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And for me, you know, diverse workforces completely are the way forward. I mean, you know, we, we, we touched on gender here, but, you know, we really need inclusive representative organizations, you know, and 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 I think. You know, it, it, it's so fundamental because that's the way that the, the 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 world is built. And you know, it always felt rather strange for me, you know, as well in an industry where where women mainly are the kind of receivers of diamonds. Do you really know I mean? like like? Of and, 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 you know, that 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 it was mainly you know a, a, an organisation or, or whatever kind of managed by men. It, it was just very odd for me. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. And and you know, statistically speaking, now women women buy their own diamonds now. You see, see the dynamics have changed. Inclusion has changed. You know, I always use the analogy where, you know, previously I I was called to the dance floor, right? But now I'm actually. I was called to it, but I didn't dance. And now I'm actually dancing on the dance floor, right? So that's that's inclusion, right? We've always been called to the dance floor, to the party, as we call it. But now we're actually dancing at the party. So yeah. so for me, yeah. that's that's all about inclusion, right? And inclusion, like you're saying, it brings a lot of dynamics to the uh, to the organization, and it brings different thinking. And that's why you see the increased bottom line. It's because of the the blend of thinking and the difference in thinking, right? So. Yeah, and it's it's like I said, bringing closer to my job. Um, very exciting job. I'm able to work with communities. Um, we we have uh, we work with uh, conservation projects as well. So we're very key. We 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 love looking at the entire ecosystem. It's not about just the mining aspect. And I always say, you know, I'll always employ people. With mining, we'll always employ people. But it's what do we do? when the mine is no longer here what is sustainable you know and and, and that is such an important question isn't it Nazim because yeah of course you know there isn't an infinite store of 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 of, of natural diamonds and 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 
you know, what do you, you know, I mean, there's, what do you do? (laughs) You know, know, how do you prepare for that? Yeah, no, true. And and what we're doing is as as an organization, I mean, we're preparing the the communities to to, to be self-sustaining as well, right? So all our corporate social investment activities are actually driven to, to sort of sustainable communities beyond the life of mine. And, and that's, for me, responsible mining, right? Because if you don't look after the communities beyond mining, then, you know, what you're doing right now is, is not worth it. Because obviously, you know, we are employing right now and it's not the short term that we need to look at. It's, it's the long term sustainability of, 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 of the, the community, obviously, and the country as well, because you don't want to leave ghost towns behind. You want to make sure that when you leave, you actually leave a legacy behind and that legacy continues. As an organization and as individuals, I mean, one of the things that that is key in our organization is our the people that work for us know that. So whatever corporate social investment activities that we do and whatever ideas they bring on board, it's all about sustainability. And it's an right now it's an overrated word, right? Because people just use the word sustainability, but they don't actually know what it means. And for us, the meaning of sustainability is to make sure that you know we are empowering the community to ensure that they will live beyond that life of mine of 20 years or five years or 10 years or whatever it is. And likewise, the environment as well is so important. And the, the, that entire, you know, we talk about the ecosystem, that entire ecosystem is be able, will be able to sustain itself beyond the mine. Yeah, and, 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 and it's so important um, that because, you know, as we know, you know, really you can't, you know, the whole health of the planet, the health of the community is, is absolutely absolutely key and I love the fact that you're doing that and tell us about some of the projects that that that, that you're investing in locally Nazim give give us a few examples of some of the things you're actually doing there's quite a few um one of the the flagships that we currently have is is, is an integrated farm actually and the reason that we chose to to actually do the integrated farm was specifically because um the area that we support that that particular village was the poorest in the 19 villages that we support and um, high levels of malnutrition and so on and so forth. And we thought, you know what, this place, through the feasibilities, obviously, you know, being being a, a good corporate citizen as a company, you need to make sure the feasibilities are done so that you, you have a sustainable project uh, going forward. So we set up the integrated farm, minimal cost, but impact, high impact, rated employment, no malnutrition anymore in that area. And... Uh, the community has funding now. They have funds to actually grow their farm. We're actually in the second phase of this farm. And you know what happened through COVID is, you know, we had a, we obviously um, were locked down. So uh, in the like the, the entire world was locked down. But in, in that period, we so reliable on South Africa for food production, right? Sustained itself specifically because it was producing food, fresh vegetables, lettuce, um, peppers, a whole variety of, of, of spinach, a whole variety of, 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 um, of vegetables, and they were selling it to the communities in that area. So they were, they were not out of a job. And guess the other thing that I, I just want to highlight is that, again, the majority of the, the employees at the farm are female. And amazingly enough, it was an organic hire, right? It was not that we, we specifically chose females. They, they came on board because they, they see the dynamics of the organization, right? And again, the earning income. Our plan is actually not to, to keep them in those jobs. It's to train them so that they can own their own farms. Oh, so that's wow. what we want to do. So, and, and the government has some really great initiatives where 
if you if you're able to run a farm, they can give you a piece of land and you run your own farm. So we're training these people to ensure that obviously through this job here, they can actually have their own farms and be self-sustaining as well as individuals. So we're trying to grow that market. It's been such a success that we're actually rolling out another integrated farm not too far from there in another village called Kwe. So very, very amazing project. Extraordinary. I mean, just what an amazing story. <laughs> it's just... That's just... Right. It's, it's, it's really amazing. And, you know, just, just to, to bring you back to that, uh, to that project, they now actually call the project the Green Diamond. Oh, wow. Because it's it's brought so much hope for the community. It's enriched the community in many ways. I mean, we don't struggle with malnutrition. A basic thing like an egg, which was not available to the community, is now available in abundance because we have uh, layer hands there. We're producing eggs. We're selling the eggs. It's it's amazing. It's a really great story. Well, I can't can't wait to hear what happens next. It's just (laughs) extraordinary. No. I mean, Nazim, I mean, you're, you're, you're just such a powerhouse. It's quite extraordinary. And I mean, and you managed to bring up, you've, you've had, uh, I think you've had two children in the, in the meantime. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see, I oh, get so excited yeah. to talk about my family. <laughs> you've managed to juggle kind of motherhood being an amazing wife and doing this job. You know? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, two kids. The, 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 the one is in, in the UK now studying and he's studying, okay, let me explain to you what's happening here. He's actually sponsored by the government as well. So he's in the UK. The government is sponsoring us. And again, I come back to the diamond, uh, diamond industry, right? He's, he's able to do that because of the diamond industry. So he's, he's, he was considered top talent and he qualified and he went. My daughter, likewise, is going to be in the same, in, in the same going, taking the same route. So it, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I'm a product. My kids are going to be products. So, you know, Botswana is a, an amazing country. It, 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 it really, really is. I mean, I, I have to say in every every which way. And then, you know, we always kind of draw this podcast to an end by, by asking, really, what are your top tips for those listening who want to start somewhere? And I'm not going to limit you to one. And, and I think maybe let's start with, you know, how, how to buy a diamond would be, would, be, would be a good one. And then maybe your general kind of life tips, because you have some brilliant ones. <laughs> Okay, how to buy a diamond? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I'd ask you to go to Tiffany's or Louis <laughs> Vuitton now that they're in the in the business of selling uh, diamond jewelry. But I think for us, I mean, in terms of how to buy a diamond here locally, I mean, we we only sell rough diamonds, but obviously yeah. have side holders that purchase from us, and we've got side holders that uh, are in in Antwerp, in the UK, in in basically in Europe, in the states that actually sell our local diamonds. We've even got a local site holder here that's able to polish the diamonds here locally and sell to Botswana here locally. So it's, it's something that is, is very readily accessible. Unfortunately, at this point in time, you, you, you wouldn't be able to say this is a Botswana diamond because it gets aggregated in, in some organizations. With Lukara diamonds, if you go out there and you say you specifically want a Lukara diamond because it's a Botswana diamond, um, you'll, oh, we'd have to guide you to the site holders that actually sell our diamonds to actually get a Botswana diamond. But generally, the Botswana diamonds are through the beer's um, leg as well. So there's an opportunity there. But like I said, they're aggregated. So it's very difficult to tell whether it's actually coming from Botswana. But uh, I, would, um, I would encourage people to come to Botswana and purchase their diamonds here from site holders that are here 
that are actually polishing the stones here to support us as an industry and to support the sustainable diamond mining industry that we have and the communities that we have. You know, if you buy that diamond, uh, Botswana diamond, just remember you're going to be empowering a child, a child, a family, an entire community and a nation. So that is so important. So please buy Botswana And you will also be visiting one of the most beautiful countries in, in the world. So, so maybe there will be a flurry of kind of engagement trips and women wanting to go on of safari. And, and then buying their own diamond as part of that celebration of, 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 yes, of the beauty. Because if you're celebrating, we're celebrating too because you're empowering the nation, right? You're not just empowering one individual, you're empowering an entire nation. We celebrate with you when you're celebrating. Oh. And then, Nassim, any any top tips? I mean, from 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 you know through this extraordinary path, you know, to to you know to some of our listeners who are starting on their careers about or just not knowing kind of you know what what to do, you know, and any any great tips um, you can leave with them? Yeah, of course. I, I I'm sure from the the, the 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 discussions you've seen how many times I've changed <laughs> my career path. <laughs> So you need to be bold. You need to understand what you want. And, you know, always believe in, 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 in your dreams. It's so important. I dreamt that I would become the first managing director, in female managing director in Botswana, and it happened. It takes a lot of work and time, but persevere. Perseverance is the key. Hard work and perseverance, right? And never give up, right? I, I used the analogy earlier on, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. It's true. But you've got to be focused and you need to to look forward to something that you know you want to do. It's pointless going to a job that you don't enjoy. I enjoy my job every day. I mean, as I speak to you, it's in the evening. I'm so excited for the next day, right? Every day I wake up excited. So if that's what, um, you, you know, let me just backtrack a bit. So, so basically that's exactly what you need to be in when you're in your job. You need to eat and breathe it. And, and it's so exciting to be in that position because, and it's such an honor to be in that position specifically because, it's something you love. And when you love something, you give it your all, right? So for me, it's follow your dream, pursue what you love and be bold, right? And obviously hard work come, comes into play as well. And, and, and be focused. It does take some time. For some people, it's taken a short period of time. For others, a long period of time. But never give up. I mean, if you give up, then you're giving up on your entire dream. And that's not what, what you want to do, right? Right. Very, very wise words. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And it has been so great to, to, to talk to you and take enormous care. And I can't wait to, to catch up, hopefully in person, in beautiful Botswana. I don't know, soon. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> soon. There, there's vaccines coming on board. So hopefully those will be, they won't be our silver bullet, but it'll probably bring life, not completely back to normal but hopefully normal some form of normalcy so we're looking forward to that and thank you sarah i really appreciate the airtime that you've given me and i hope to talk to you soon and be safe